What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. We're here from the new studio, new bells and whistles, and more equipment coming soon. We've got a spectacular episode coming at you today with Professor David Collum. I highly recommend reading his year-end recap, which will be linked into the episode description. And before we go live next weekend, I'm out in California opening for Dave Smith at the Brie Improv and then the following weekend at the Stress Factory. So come grab your tickets, come hang out, and now let's get into the show. Welcome, Professor Collum. It's an honor to have you. Hi, I go by Dave, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, I'm cool with Dave. Uh I want to get right into it. The Epstein story, you know, we got some new uh, scandalous details last week. I'm sitting here in front of the safe that the FBI uh, decided to open up and then leave the equipment in the household, I guess, for the CIA cleanup crew to come and collect later. Uh, You and you teased a million missing kids a year and that Epstein is just the tip of the iceberg. So I want to get into this. Okay. Um, so, so first of all, you know, I kept paying attention to the Epstein story and not, nothing, I wasn't getting anything. I didn't already know. Is that, is that your read on it? Cause maybe I missed the good ones or something. <laughs> I find sometimes the new information is just what they're willing to expose in the mainstream media and then what they're willing to hide. Uh, so I, I, I don't know that there was anything that insightful other than that there were scattered pictures of young kids that were actually on the island um or at least young teenagers well see that's that's the problem one of the things they're hiding is is that epstein trafficked children and i don't call you know they sanitize the crap out of it because they show they show bill clinton getting a a back rub from some chick you go i I take one from her right (laughs) you know and you know, she probably was underage, but depending on when she showed up, I mean, a 17-year-old's not legal, but a 17-year-old has some percentage of the capacity to say yes or no to things, right? Right. Uh, not not much, I should add, having raised a couple kids. But um, but a five-year-old does not, and they, they've hidden well the fact that I've seen traffic kids. Okay, so this, I am, this gets right to it because, you know, I guess – the creepier side of it is trafficking five and six, like I, not to endorse having sex or, or trying to one year olds or newborns or oh, we're going yeah. even crazier. Right. Because oh, oh, yeah. you, you throw a 16 or 17 year old. Sometimes they look like children and sometimes they look like adults and I wouldn't engage in that behavior, but I can at least understand why someone would be interested in engaging that behavior. When you start going how to you could slip into it, how you could slip into it. So you, you start out banging just, you know, hot chicks at 20. And then next thing you know, you know, someone throws a hot one at you. Oh, by the way, she was 17. You go, oh, oops. You know, right. We, we can understand how that mistake is made, but a five, six or one year old, there's, there's absolutely no way of trying to justify that to anyone who has any sense of a soul. So what have you seen to indicate that I guess it goes as young as, you know, five, six year olds or that there's uh, some sort of real racket, I guess, for hijacking, you know, kids of that age. So, so I dug into this not because it brings great joy to my life. <laughs> this, is, this, yeah. is, this is really, I, I had to stop. I, I'm writing about it. I might not even publish what I write because it's got so much darkness in it and, and, and there's risk in it. Um, but, but I basically scoured the planet for people claiming to have insight into child trafficking. 
right? And so I dug in and, and I decided to move on it this year for obvious reasons of, of the sound of freedom coming out. So I said, okay, this is the year to, to run with this story. Um, the challenge that you face is that your source material is sketchy no matter what, guaranteed no matter what. So whenever I, one time I, I wrote, one time, one time I, I, I was talking to a money manager in, in Europe and he told me that he bought GLD. This is way off topic, but it'll, it'll tell you the story anyways. He, he told you that he told me he bought GLD, $60 million worth of GLD, and then he tried to convert it into gold. He tried to cash it out and get the gold from the, the, the bullion banks. And he said with a team of lawyers, he couldn't get them to give him the gold. Now, the prospectus doesn't guarantee it, but so he tells me the story. So I tell a friend of mine, and then I watch it circumnavigate the globe. And next thing I know, it's just you can't get gold out of GLD. And it's like, well, I actually knew that. But 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 the point was I was the source. <laughs> and 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 then what happened is I reached out to him and said, um, I gotta double check now that it's become globally prominent news story in the gold bug community. He said, Yeah, I wrote about it in 2000, whatever. It was several years back, no one noticed. And uh and, and but but that that tells me, you know, be really careful about your sources. So the pedophile story, um, your sources are people who seem credible, like Tim Ballard of Sound of Freedom, um, uh, a woman named Liz Crocken, who's former, I think she's former ABC talking head and fairly prominent. And, and then she got on this. Now she's Liz Crocken, Inc. as pedophile hunter, pedo hunter, right? And she just always out there and she's, she's attacking like a, like a honey badger, right? Um, and then there's guys like Mouthy Buddha. I don't know who Mouthy Buddha is, but Mouthy Buddha tells stories and they show pictures, they show videos, and they show images of Disney characters with goddamn pedophile logos on them and stuff like that. But you you don't know what's photoshopped. You don't know you don't know anything, and so you you you're constantly cross checking your facts. Then you you quickly discover that. Um, that, that there's people who you thought you adored who 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 are implicated as deep dark bastards. Let's start with the one that shocked everyone early, and that was Bill Cosby, right? right. Bill Cosby was was the, the father of fathers. And and next thing you know, you find out he's a perv. Well, the perv was they said he was drugging chicks. Who knows where it goes? And I've been replaying the tape. Remember, you probably don't know this, but his father, his son got killed. He got capped. He was driving a Porsche. He was at a rest stop. He got capped. I'm going, was that a random killing or was that something else? I, I just thought this about a week ago. I go, do we know that Bill Cosby's son was just senseless violence? Right. And, you know, so, I, so, I remember seeing some stories circulating that was speculating on that. And I'm, I'm trying to recall from memory, but maybe it was the, the, the spinny, the story they were spinning was an aggrieved victim's father. But I, I don't recall. I remember that was like, you know, I read so many articles and sometimes I, I'm not all that focused. Um, so, so then then uh, Tom Hanks has drawn fire like there's no tomorrow. Right. Right. And and I worry that the source. So I dug into Hanks like crazy. But, okay. but let me tell you, t let me tell you what the story is that I think is hard to deny. And that is that the official stats which, by the way, could be about as credible as official COVID stats right. or official <laughs> vaccine stats, right? Or right. official inflation stats, right? But the official stats 
from various organizations who profess to be caring about the children, from you know various international agencies for abused and missing children, that, that sort of thing run by prime players, um, FBI, you name it, put the number of missing children globally between like uh, you know, 2 million and 10 million a year. So the, the question that you have to ask is, where did they go? Nancy Pelosi's implants. Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> implants, right. No, Paul Pelosi's bedroom. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and until you can answer that question, you realize uh, there's a dark, dark, dark story here. Because um, first and foremost, I think the archetype perv is dead wrong. And that is the archetype perv is some guy in a trailer park where all the other pervs are hanging out because they've been ring fenced away from elementary schools. And he's driving a van that says free candy on the outside. You know, that is not where these traffic children are going, best I can tell. Um, secondly, I don't think they're being grabbed off the streets of the United States. And, and this clicked in a big way when I, I was listening to a, an interview of a, a European trafficker that was, you know, voice dubbed, you know, you couldn't tell who it was. And some guy went and interviewed him repeatedly lot long interviews and is it real i don't know i don't know this is the problem but he, he actually said that they would never grab some kid off the street like that because who needs the hassle and and the hassle is that the minute you grab a kid off the street you've got an entire community looking for him you've got the fbi looking for him maybe maybe um and, and so so it's a lot easier to grab some kid from guatemala it's so much easier so you got a million, call it a million, just to be a round number figure, who are disappearing. There are not enough pervs in the world to have all these kids like this. And so you got to go, where where did they go? And, and I, I dug into every facet. I went through Hollywood and I went through Hollywood movies and I went through all the stories about if you look at Disney and it turns out Walt Disney was considered to be a perv and a screw up and a CIA asset and you name it. And, and, and you can't find a location. So, um, so the survivors, I'm going to go all over the place because I'm it's writing okay. on it right now. Um, the survivors who have come out, who, who are, have varying degrees of credibility, because if you were molested from age, you know, two to 14, and then um, you, you're, you're, you're a broken person. You're, you're probably a junkie. You're probably a street, street hooker. Um, uh, or you've got multiple personalities. I mean, this is known. I mean, the, the survivors have all had to reconstruct their lives after they somehow peeled away from this problem. Now, they're not locked in dungeons. I, I've read books now on brainwashing, on you know, how you brainwash Marines in, in North Korea and things like that. And the point is you can brainwash a five-year-old. It's child's play, as they like to say in that business. Um, you can brainwash a five-year-old and no time flat. These guys, they're, 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 it's so easy. So you don't have to lock them up. There, some of the survivors actually were living at home with their fucked up parents who were farming them out to the pedo network. 
whenever they were summoned and the kids would go to school. Right. I guess just to put a little bit of context on that, when you hear about, uh, I guess, what goes on in Afghanistan as documented by soldiers with the with the kids out there, uh, the idea that parents in third world countries, I guess, uh, will, will do things like this with their own children. It's inconceivable to us, but I guess. Uh, well, they do it in this country, too. Really? Yeah. So the kids in the U.S. who are being U.S. citizens who are being um, trafficked, the parents are trafficking them. So, so they're already obviously fucked up, right? They probably got molested themselves. They've been molesting their kid. And there's even this sense that you farm your kid out and you take someone else's kid from the network, you know, that sort of thing. I always thought pedophiles were loners because how the hell would you not, how, how would you get away with it if there was a group, right? Right. Um, it turns out that the network is what provides the safety, not the loner. Okay, so then and I guess so, you, you end up with the obvious question. Firstly, just on the point of what you were saying with the loner, uh, this was just some thought I had passing in my head the other day. But sometimes when you think of like a John Podesta or a uh, um, Brennan, just guy, to name somebody randomly, right? Yeah, no, but <laughs> the, the, no, but I, 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 that's my ADD brain. The connection I'm making here is sometimes when you look at the people who are villainous people. They're not who you would expect to be a villainous person. And I think right. that's in part because when the machine wants to show you a villainous person, they're going to show you an archetype that's completely different than who they are and what they right. portray, which is kind of creates the veil for them of what we don't expect evil to look like, um, which I think kind of, I guess, plays into what, what, what you're saying here with the pedophiles is that we do have an archetype of what a pedophile is supposed to look like or is portrayed, even in shows like uh, To Catch a Predator. Um, which is oh, different. I hate that show. I hated that show. <laughs> right. Something about that show bothered me from the start. It turns out when you dig into that show, you find out there's issues underneath that show. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the to catch a predator? I never really watched. I just remember the guy, the... the guy, the guy, the guy. I can't remember his name, but they're scandalous shit. I, I've got notes on it. It, right. it was it wasn't a big part because, but but I I when I saw the show to catch a predator. They'd sucker some guy in through some online interaction. The guy would show up. And first of all, there's a there's a sense of entrapment. Now you go, you're entrapping a perv. And you go, but you don't actually know if he, you don't know for sure he's going to be a perv or whether he's going to meet this girl and say, what the fuck are you doing, right? Right. And 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 so so I find myself feeling some sense of sympathy for the perv. Now, I'm not a perv. I, well, all guys are pervs, but right. um, but 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 I, there's something about me about the show. And then I started digging into it and I was not alone. I was not alone. Other people were very troubled by the show. And uh, all right. So to go it back, also though, exploits the darkness. I hate to I, I didn't like the show Dexter, right? The mass murderer right. who, who murdered the right people. I go, I, I don't want to watch that show. I hated that show. Right. So just to go back to uh, I, the pedophile network, I guess I got two follow-up questions. And this is always one when you've got organized and big conspiracies is just how do these people keep this thing quiet? If there really is a mass they network. Okay. They don't. You only have to, you don't have to keep the secret. We all know Kennedy was whacked by somebody, not Oswald. Right. And, and right. you do not need, you do not need to keep that a secret. You only need to keep control of the response to it. We okay. know the U.S. blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. We continue to say it was the Ukrainians 
floating some yacht, doing some, you know, something that would make a Navy uh, demolition team proud. Right. Um, and, and the reason is, is because if they say, actually, we did it, it's an act of war. So they just say, so we didn't do it. And Seymour Hirsch comes out and says, we did it. They go, no, we didn't do it. it we knew everything Seymour Hirsch told us already. Right. But they can't admit it. And so we know Bill Clinton's a perv. Right. Is there any doubt Bill Clinton's a perv? He's is there any doubt that he is never going to go to jail? Right. So you contain the response. Bill still goes out banging young chicks. Right. One of the victims, by the way, said Bill from those release tapes, those release transcripts, one of them said he likes them young. But what I noticed about those release transcripts, so here are women suing a system who have every reason in the world to tell what happened. And when they're asked in court who, they can't remember anybody. They can't remember anybody. And the reason is they want to get money, but they don't want to get killed. Right. And so they're not going to say who did it. So, But here's where it gets tricky for me. First of all, the darkness. It's just bad. Right. Second of all, there are pedo hunters out there, like I said, Liz Crockett, right? She's, she goes right through the front door. I worry I'm reading the room wrong. So it's conceivable. I'm thinking, well, you know, she's not getting whacked. They're not going to care about me. And I go, what if, what if she is covered? What if it's like, no, Liz Crockett can do it. Dave Collum, you can't do it. We need to control this narrative. And so, um, and so, so I'm worried about that. Um, any spook could drop kitty porn on your computer and then say, oh, we found kitty porn on his computer. Right? That would be child's play, as they say. Right. Again, right? So, so, so there's risk here. And you could be sued. And I've asked lawyers, you know, if I say so-and-so says Tom Hanks is a perv, could I be sued for saying Tom Hanks is a perv? Morally, no. I stated a fact. It's demonstrably a fact. But he can still sue the shit out of me. Right. Right? It doesn't matter that he doesn't have a case. So right? that's a slap suit. So a couple uh couple follow-up questions here. So I, I, I understand what you're saying that uh it's like the, the machine's got a Ponzi scheme, both financially, but just almost with all these topics. And as long as they don't acknowledge something is true, there's no higher power to really enforce it as being true. So they get away with it. Like Nord Stream, I think that's the perfect example. As long as they say right. no, I guess we're not at war with Russia. Um, as stupid as that is. because vaccine. Can, vaccine. Right. Or the vaccine. Yeah. Right. right. Um, why then in that in that outlook? Why did they why were they willing to give up Epstein then if they're so good at just basically um, denying a story and then allowing the story to continue? Is Epstein just a uh, like, you know, he expired as an asset for them like this kind of, you know, for a while there was a story about the um, the pedophiles in Washington. It was something I, I think mainly I remember once when Alex Jones got thrown off of YouTube. I was curious to see what he was doing. I never paid attention to his show. I went to his stream and he's yelling about pedophile in Washington. I was like, this seems like a little bit much. And then a couple of years later, it's technically accurate. With the Epstein story, it's technically true that there are pedophiles in Washington. How deep does that go? Well, I guess that we're going to still speculate on, but it's technically accurate now to say that there are pedophiles in Washington. 
to me, the Epstein story coming out really does draw into focus. And firstly, I think the general population is now fascinated by this of what is going on here. How is it that this guy was just killed in jail and the and the tapes were off? Or the thing that I'm trying to pull, call all attention to is this remarkable storyline of that the FBI had safes apparently filled with videotapes, which was probably the blackmail evidence, and it just conveniently disappeared. So I guess if uh, if the idea is like there's massive and blatant crime and just typically speaking, they don't report on it or they are able to just squash the stories by denying it. Why do you think they let this one out? Well, the first question I would ask. And this is a low probability sort of answer, but do you know he's dead? No, I would I, I, I just as easily recalled and living out in Israel or whatever. We have no idea. I would be surprised. Well, if the other funny Stephen thing sitting, is yeah. the, the corpse. So I've got the funniest conspiracy theory. It, it okay. is the most rib-slapping, funny-ass conspiracy theory you've ever heard. All right. Which I put a very low probability on it, but I can tell you what seems to be factual. Okay. If you take Epstein's profile and you look at the profile of the guy in the gurney, there's like two photos of Epstein. Right. Yeah, that's, well, at least it's twice... It's two more than we see of the plane hitting the Pentagon. So, so at least we have that. <laughs> okay. Um, the two profiles, what what internet focused on was the ear shape was wrong, right? The right. ear shape's like a fingerprint. It was wrong. What was really noticeable to me is the nose is wrong. Epstein's got a, a very straight nose. It's right. a real knife edge nose. And the guy on the gurney had a definite hook to it. And so I said, okay, so they had to round up a cadaver, kind of look like Epstein, they took a photo, whatever. And then what the internet dug up, I talk about the internet like it's a person, right? was a picture of a guy in a Mets hat, sitting at a baseball game, going, this guy died two weeks earlier, with with no explanation, no cause of death. That kind of looks like the guy in the gurney, doesn't it? And I checked to make sure, yes, that guy died. Hillary's brother. What Hillary's so, brother was was, was the guy that he died? was the guy who died two weeks earlier. So the funniest conspiracy in history yeah. is that they whacked Hillary's brother and subbed him in for Epstein. That's pretty wild. And, and I said, and when I wrote about this, I said, I just peed my pants. That's so funny, right? <laughs> um, and and I'm going, and the odds of that are low, but if you can imagine a spook. Right. Yeah, we got to whack Epstein. We need a body going. I know that, just the that, guy. That's that fucking Hillary. Her brother could pass. Her brother could pass. They're going. Oh my God! You're going to get the CIA Achievement Award this year, right? Um, and so uh, that's the golden really, trophy. Is oh, taking out is Hillary that, Clinton's brother to rescue Epstein, Epstein from his cell. Yeah, and so I think he's on an island somewhere. I I I give it a reasonable chance. He's not dead. Ghislaine, you know, they didn't whack do you, her. Do you think she's They're even sitting in a, a prison cell? Do you think or they just sub her for an extra also? No way to know. No way to know. All right. So you now, know, there could be evidence that she's not there. You mean no one has ever seen her in prison. Right. But who's going to tell, who is going to tell us? Right. Um, okay. So then this brings me to my next question, which is sometimes I look at the pushing of, uh, of transgenderism and uh you know specifically when they bring it to kids and uh from everything i'm seeing there's no evidence i I mean for listen if you want to accept that someone can believe that they're uh, you know i'm into freedom if you're an adult you want to identify as the other gender 
it seems like a hard lifestyle. And it seems like if you're engaging in medical procedures to do that, you're somewhat being suckered by the system as uh, you're locking yourself into medical procedures for the rest of your life. But I don't think there's any evidence that a kid can make that, that make that decision for themselves. And I see the pushing of it. And I take a step back and I go, this makes no sense. It almost seems demonic. And that's something that they don't really report on. But I start like looking like what is going on in the background that some evil entity or otherwise is bringing this to humanity. It's so unbelievably evil and makes no sense. And people are getting like lost in the uh, not just like literally praising it. You get these people who are so left and liberal that they want to showcase, you know, how much how ingrained into the system they are that, hey, look, my kid, I'm embracing my kid. So when you look at like this whole, you know, pedophile racket, I don't know. Do you see do you see that these people are just sexual perverts? And for some reason, you got people in power who just are sexually attracted to five and six year olds. Or is there like, I don't know, something more demonic here? Way more demonic. So so the reason I dug into this. Is, um, you know, a physicist will look out into the, the galaxies and they'll see something they don't understand. They'll go, there's a, there's this unseen gravitational pull. We, I, what the what the fuck is doing that? We're, we're seeing distortions that don't make sense. They go, oh, fuck, it's a black hole, right? So the question then becomes, as you watch society implode, right? We are imploding, right? I'm a, I know you work with Dave Smith. I am such a huge fan of Dave Smith. Dave Smith is a fucking genius. Yeah, he's the best. The other, the other genius is Mike Malice, who I want to connect with, but I'm, I'm just barely connecting, but not yet. Um, and, and there's this gravitational pull in which nothing makes sense to me. Nothing. I watch them open the southern borders. There's nothing in what I would consider the general ethos of of United States of America that says you should just open the borders. That there, that doesn't make sense to me. There's nothing when 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 they release the vaccine and it's killing people. It's not the money. It can't be the money. You know they've studied you know satisfaction and and the amount of money you need to to, to sort of have it a very minor contribution to have more is not very high. You know, when your microwave breaks and you can replace it, that's kind of, you're there, right? You've made it. Um, Fauci doesn't want money. Gates doesn't want money. These guys need serotonin. They need dopamine. They've got these plans. And and so I was looking for a unifying force, this this gravitational pull. And I I sort of glommed on to the idea that the, the global pedophilia ring network is the gravitational pull that could could unify the story. And that um, I think one of the mistakes that's made is people think that uh, they compromise people in power to own them. I believe the way to think of it is they give they compromise people and then they give them power. And if you're not compromised, you're not getting the power because they cannot control you. And so I think it's possible that, for example, in Hollywood, Hollywood apparently is just a pervathon. And, and, and I think, and there are actresses who've said, look, I, until I did X, Y, and Z and went with Marina Abramovic and, and, and did my whole satanic cult shit, I wasn't getting parts. 
and now I am. So I think it's possible to put it garishly and bluntly that they say, we're going to fill me with a five-year-old getting a blowjob or, or you're not going anywhere. Make the call. And once they own you, so, so Epstein's client list is probably what a thousand. We're not getting any of them. Um, easily those guys could just be guys who, who need dopamine and serotonin and just were looking for fun. And as Eric Weinstein once said, he said, when you go to Epstein for the babes, you're, you're not going for the sex. You can get all the sex you want. You're going for um, the, the, the chick who, uh, when you are finished, will keep her mouth shut. And if you're working with Epstein and you don't keep your mouth shut, you're going to be, you're going to be, you know, swimming with the fishes probably. Right. So, so I, I guess my, my only question on that theory though, is uh, if we're saying that, you know, the poll here is compromising individuals and the, bringing them into the fold of power, um, which makes sense. You know, you want to make sure that they're going to, so what's the goal? What's the goal? Well, right, what's I was, the big goal? Well, what do you I, think I, it is? I, no, I guess that, 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 that is a fair question, but I would, I, I guess I would question why would you need a million kids a year in order to facilitate that? Or, well, you know, the, on the high the end haunting questions. Now, right. I do have, I do have answers. Okay. They're grisly. And that is, I think most, and, and I get this from lots of sources. So I, I have got 150 pages of notes and links and stuff on this. I, it's, it's been painful. Lots and lots of sources that talk about this. I watched a guy do it. So, so the adrenochrome story, let's, let's go with that one. Jim Caviezel, or however you pronounce his name, I believe he's sincere. He talks about adrenochrome, which is, a, which I know the chemical structure of a chemist, right? Comes out of the adrenal grand, gland. It supposedly, it comes out in spades when the kid's an unhappy camper, when the adrenaline is kicking in. And not unlike I've heard in China, when they cook animals, sometimes they cook them and keep them alive as long as they can cooking them. So it means dunk the dog up to its neck or something in boiling oil um, because it tastes better. Well, the adrenochrome is, is, has a reputation of, of, of making you feel good and making you not age. Now, if you're getting a blood transfusion that's full of adrenaline-like shit, you could easily imagine that giving you a high, right? If uh, if your body's full of adrenaline, you're on a high. If you get a transfusion that's got the adrenaline, I, I, I could believe that story. I could also believe that people just think it does, right? You know, it's a cult, a Scientology, it's whatever. That, and that's all you need. So here's the deal. I think the million people, unfortunately, the million kids are probably harvested. I think they're, I think they're not, they're not being used for sexual favors. So this guy who was interviewed, who runs this sort of network in Europe, basically said that the highest priority is to sell a kid. He called it for parts. They harvest everything from the kid. So they'll harvest organs. They'll sell a heart for $70,000. Um, and, 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 but, and so they'll have these kids that they, it's just a horror story. They'll convince some mother to give up their kid at birth. And then they'll have like these orphanages. They raise the kids and then they, boom, they become part of the network. The kids never saw a normal life. They, they never, for a moment, they, they were born into this track. 
And, and one day I'm watching a guy do an interview. And this is what's staggering to me. Let me tell you some examples of things that seemed almost undeniable. I'm watching a guy do an interview. I recognize the interviewers. I can't name them. But I've seen him. I've seen him on cable TV. There's these guys. I think you'd recognize them. And the guy has a company that sells young blood. And I'm going, what the fuck is young blood? That's a rhetorical question. Well, what the fuck is young blood? And the interviewers, you can see them dancing around, trying not to say where is the blood coming from? So one of them at one point kind of utters, well, I'm sure it comes from normal blood banks. They go, yeah, a lot of a lot of young kids donate blood to blood banks. Really? Um, kids don't like needles, I'm told. Um, and uh, and uh, and then I read an article that says he had to wrap that operation up. He has a new one. There's not not just young blood now. But I'm going this. These were normal people interviewing this guy and the guy's sells blood right and i'm going how can so so then so then i'm um i'm in a zoom group a doctor zoom group that started because of COVID. we had every famous anti-vaxxer anti-covid person on the planet go through this group we've had lawyers we just this last week there's a guy who's who's uh who's running a huge lawsuit that's got a three trillion dollar payout if they win everything and uh, and uh, we had Archbishop Vagano on, for example. We had Tim Ballard on, for example, because it's gone into these. All the anti-vaxxers have now gone New World Order. Right. You, you, once you once you process what happened during COVID, you realize there's this dark force. I should tell you what I think the dark force is. I think the dark force is that the United States stands between people who want to achieve some geopolitical goal and their success. So there's globalists who say, look, we shouldn't have sovereign states. And they like the idea because they want to run the fucking operation that right. no longer has sovereign states. So central bank, digital currencies, you name it, all that stuff. You know, the Great Reset, which, by the way, you know they're lying because they're telling us. So there's some, that whole story is a ruse. We're supposed to be, we're talking about Klaus Schwab when we should be harvesting his adrenochrome, right? That's what he deserves. Um, so, so then Vigano, who's in the Vatican, I believe, he's way, way up. He, he, I, I looked up his CV. He's way up in the world of archbishops. And he's out there saying that the elites of the world are pedophiles and they're harvesting blood. And he's really, he is nailing it. I mean, it is horrifying. And, uh, and, and he said it before. He talks about Hillary Clinton. He talks about Bill Clinton. He talks about leaders of the free world doing this shit, the guy has got balls the size of cantaloupes. And then you see the secretary general, former secretary, the general of the UN, that basically says that the currency of global politics is pedophilia. I, I, I watched the video. Now, maybe it's an older video. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's some AI-generated video, right? I don't trust anything anymore, but this is the story. So... So then you read about Tom Hanks. Let's read about Tom Hanks. Okay. I go, poor guy. He gets accused. He made a video of his daughter who was doing beauty pageants and he looked really creepy, but I, I think it was a spoof. But okay. that maybe maybe got it started. So it's just but 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 maybe it's not a spoof. I don't know. I just don't know. But then uh but then uh 
he has a photography fetish that's, that's weird. He likes to take pictures of these random things he finds lying on the street, like a glove. And he, and he's, I've seen him interviewed on like Fallon or something. And he says, ah, I, I, you know, I just, I wonder where the other glove is. I wonder whose glove that was, right? It's this right. odd sort of mental fetish. I go, fine. One of his pictures, which I thought might be Photoshopped, except I found his tweet with it in it. Right. And it says, it shows a picture of a glove. And it says, I think it's SRC USA. Okay. It says SRC USA in chalk next to the globe. And and then I'm some guys, there's so many of these dark web videos that talk about this stuff. There's so many. And the guy says, if you search SRC USA in Google, you get nothing. You go to Brave, you get nothing. He said, if you go to Yandex, Russia's Google, you hit a pedophile trafficking site. Now the plot's thickening. So I go there. I'm there 20 seconds and I'm going, holy shit, I should not be here. So I don't advise people to do it. Now, since I already went there once and I was, I'm writing about this stuff painfully. I went back to it because I said, I need, I need to get a screen grab of some of this. And it has completely changed. And as you, you see, just fairly normal pictures. But you pick up little shards of it. You go, that's a little bit of an odd picture. You know, the, these pictures of the kids, these are not like kids playing in a playground. These look like mug shots. When, the, when I first went there, it looked. you go, those are not happy campers right there. This is not Disney World picture. By the way, Disney World itself is a weird operation. Um, and, 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 and so it's clear that Tom Hanks, and then there's this guy named James Gunn, who's a famous producer. And he starts tweeting about having sex with little boys. And then Disney fires him. And then he's, he, he was a producer for Guardians of the Galaxy, for example. This guy was not a lightweight. And then they rehire him again. And his tweets are real, and they got saved. And then you got Pizzagate, where where Assange, which by the way, I think maybe why Assange got rounded up, or they're trying to round him up, um, releasing the emails of Podestas and and Clintons and stuff, in which they're talking about pizza for sixty five thousand dollars, and they're using all, all of the goddamn pedophile code words, and they're so out of context. Where you go, they talk they talk about doing something, and I'm going to come. I'm coming over to ask, we're going to do pizza for a couple hours. You go, what does doing pizza mean? Right. Right. Well, pizza's kids. And then they, they talk and, 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 and hot dogs. There's, there's these, the different standard things have different meanings. If you read them in the context of the pedophile code words, the email's clear. And there's a ton of them. Right. Well, this is going to be the end of my YouTube channel, but it won't be the first no, you strike or the last. You should put strike. on Rumble. You should put on Rumble. You should. No, you no, should we're 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 everywhere. So it's not like they're we're streaming on Twitter, YouTube, uh, Rumble, Odyssey. Uh, I've got my own built-out backend that no one can take off the internet and uh, Spotify. So we will remain on. Let me ask you this question: yes. Do you know how one could publish something truly anonymously? I'm not a great tech person, but I mean, I asked. I have a friend yeah. who actually was pre-IPO Netscape. What is that wrote, ominous sound that keeps playing? Are you by boats? You got someone moving chairs around or 
No, I heard it, but it wasn't. Oh, maybe wasn't it's in my office. Iron. All right. Okay. Well, it could be, could be you know, CIA, right? Who knows? <laughs> so, but, but so the problem here is, is that first of all, anyone listening is their Overton window has just been smashed, right? right. They, 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 now they're going, holy crap, this guy's nuts, right? This is guy's Alex Jones nuts. But then the problem is, again, back to the million. And then you start digging. You say, well, why aren't these guys getting caught? Well, there's whole documentaries out there showing case study after case study after case study of someone who did get caught. Right. And who got no jail time, no punishment, nothing. Laura Silsby is a great example. Laura Silsby got caught trafficking children in Haiti twice. She got caught. And then ironically, one of them was with 33 kids, which is a, I hate going here because I have no idea what to do with this world. But it's a, it's a magic number for the Freemasons. The Freemasons have 33 levels. Okay. If you're 30, 33rd level Freemason, you are a grand boobah of that operation. Um, could just be a coincidental number. Walt Disney had a club called the 33 Club, right? I, there's, just, there's pictures of Walton Robes with other guys who look like Freemasons. Um, so, so Silsby gets caught twice. She's in a Haitian prison. She comes, she, she makes some phone calls. The Clinton Foundation gets her out, which, by the way, you want to find a trafficking organization. That would be my first guess. There's a ton of people going at the Clinton Foundation on this one. And um, and 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 she gets out. They get her out. Trafficking children. And so then what happens? What's her job now? She goes by a different name. She got married. Um, she works for Amber Alert. Amber <laughs> really? Alert. Well, so here, this gets to an interesting her, point. Okay, you start you start digging into the organizations that profess to care about children. Remember right. the Wayfair scandal? Remember the Wayfair scandal? Uh, not offhand. The no. Wayfair scandal was where on Wayfair, where you sell shit online. Right. They were selling things that looked like IKEA shelves and stuff, right. like fifteen thousand dollars. They had a kid's picture with it. And at first, I'm going, "Oh fuck, that can't be real." But, but they then next thing you know, the Wayfair kid? CEO, I don't know. But here's a, a set of shelves with a kid right. for $16,000. And 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 the CEO actually responds to it. And, and he responds he to goes, it like, that well. That was a fair you know, price. That's what he said. You know, I know well, these markets. No, what, he, what, he, what he said is that they're dealing with this problem. And then what you find out is who's the CEO? He's on the board of directors of some Save the Children Foundation. I suspect, I suspect that if you wanted to find a high-level pedophile, the best place, if this is an Easter egg hunt, best place to look is an organization that involves children. Right. I mean, it's, it's classic government. You label things the exact opposite of what you're doing. So then you dig into a story like the Franklin scandal. Anyone who's familiar with what I'm talking about, this will, this is like the Rosetta Stone of child trafficking. Okay. The Franklin scandal was about um, an orphanage out in Omaha, Nebraska. By the way, what other famous billionaires in Omaha? Let me think about that. Um, and 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 they traffic kids, and they trafficked them ironically from the orphanage called Boys Town, which is famous. Several movies. That was a Mickey Rooney movie. And, and there's this guy named Larry King, no relation to, to the one on TV, who was very politically connected. 
and the story started to unravel. Now, it didn't look like a huge operation to me, but it started unraveling. This group of concerned citizens put together a committee. They hired an ex-cop to do investigations, and the story unfolded on them. And they rounded up all the victims. They were adults now. They were crackheads. They were prostitutes. They were broken people, some with multiple personalities. But they cross-checked. They were really careful to say, okay, this guy said that there's a house here that has tunnels underneath it. And they went to the house and there's the tunnels, you know, that sort of thing. And um, and then, of course, the, the, the ex-cop dies in a plane crash. Right? What are the odds? And um, so the first thing you find is the Omaha newspaper is hammering the story hard against the people trying to get at it. They're hammering the citizens committee. They're hammering the cop. They're hammering every step of the way. And they went to the local chief of police only to find out that he was one of the perps. And then they went to, they went to the attorney general of Nebraska and, and he wanted nothing to do with it. And so then, um, so then the FBI shows up and they start systematically destroying every victim that is telling the story, just absolutely destroying them. And, and by the end, there's like one tough woman left. She ends up in the Supreme, she ends up in the Supreme Court of Nevada in front of a judge who turns out to not be a legal judge for the Supreme Court. They inserted him and he fucks up the trial the whole way with a prosecutor who fucks up the trial the whole way. She ends up in prison. She gets out on a, her first parole hearing and the parole, the parole guy said, this is crazy what just happened. The way they destroyed all the witnesses, they said, look, here's what's going to happen. If you don't testify against the other witnesses, we're going to send you to jail for years on perjury. So here's the story you have to tell. And these are already broken people. They're just saying, just don't hurt me anymore. Just don't hurt me anymore. So they turn on each other and some recanted later. Remember the McMartin daycare case by chance? McMartin daycare case was one of the first ones I noticed where a, a preschool was said to be a pedophile ring. And that's when I thought pedophiles were loners. So I said, this makes no sense. And then they put them all in prison. There were supposedly tunnels underneath the school and stuff. Tunnels are always the tip off. Tunnels are a tip off. And um, and um, and then years later, the kids come out, and and some of them are suicidal. Some of them kill themselves, and some have said, "Oh, you know, I, I realized that I was I was um, um, I realized that I was coerced into saying what I said." And they gave it the name Satanic Panic or something. They gave it a name. Some psychologist wrote a paper. And whenever some right. kid accuses someone, they say, oh, that's just Satanic Panic. And, and it turns out, I thought, okay, so it, I was right. That, that wasn't it. That, it. It turns out it's exceedingly common for the victims to recant because a shitstorm hits them the minute they come out. They, they can't come out. They'll just be destroyed yet again. All right, so let's uh, let's pivot to the next topic. But before we do, I guess let's put a, a button on this one. Uh, so the overarching, I guess, theory is that there is rampant uh, pedophiles and that it's uh, either 
a mechanism for, I guess, harvesting parts or otherwise, or mm-hmm. to, uh, I, I, I guess it's a mixture. You got some people. And by the are, way, the, yeah. one of the greatest sources, I got, I got to say a little bit more. I got sure. my head spinning on this. <laughs> when, when there's a crisis, they call it harvest season. So in World War II, we grabbed kids out of London to get them out of harm's way. It made sense. Right now there's a crisis. Where's the crisis? Haiti. Good example. Some crisis in Haiti. They grab up the kids. The kids never make it home. Right. We're grabbing up 85,000 coming over the border. No one seems to doubt that number, but people say, but where are they going? There's videos of vans pulling up and filling them with the kids and going away. And there's right. people saying, hey, who do you work for? And the guys are going, turn off that camera, turn off that camera, right? It's it's clear <laughs> that there's harvest season going on, harvesting going on at the border, southern border. It is highly systematic. All right. Um, so I, I do but, have one but, question. But one of the yeah. big suppliers, you're going to like this. I've written against this war too, Ukraine. Ukraine is a phenomenal source of children and has been for quite some time. We're sending billions to Ukraine. Right. We should um, be funding Putin. What? Uh, I, all right. Last question on this one. If they're harvesting parts from kids, why do some of the elites still look so bad? Like Mitch McConnell. You know what I mean? Like, I would think if they, if they were actually like vampires and they're harvesting blood and all these parts... Right that they would all just kind of look like young, pristine 25-year-olds. Or maybe they do. Maybe they go behind closed doors and they uncloak their fake skin that they wear in front of all of us, and they're actually ageless individuals until they spawn off into some 22-year-old. Um, but I, I don't know. I would think, I guess, if the most powerful people uh, were able to, you know, or maybe just harvesting parts isn't that successful and they're just addicted to it. No, so, so I think it's a whole gradient. So... There was just one the other day where there was a law that was going to do something to pedophiles in California, and the goddamn guy vetoed it, right? It just, it just, everyone in Washington is a made person, a made man, made woman, whatever. There's dirt on all of them. And so so you don't have to be a pedophile for someone to come and say, by the way, if you don't cooperate, we've got this on you. You've embezzled this. You've got this donor. They they can donate money, and have it come from have it come from China, right? They, they, they're all they're all they're all owned. Again, what I think it is 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 if you wanted to defeat the United States, you can't pull battleships up to the shore. What you have to do is get us to destroy ourselves. If you go on that model, then you realize that all the George Soros stuff, all the pedophilia stuff, all the corruption, all the transgender stuff is all about rotting. There's a Paul Harvey 1965 um, presentation. I used to love listening to Paul Harvey on the radio, in which he said, if I were the devil. And he described all the things he would do to destroy our society if he was the devil. 1965, you would not believe how precisely he described today. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, all right. So I think we got a clean transition point here. But before we do, uh, we we have in the comments a theory of the ominous noise might be your phone on the table uh, vibrating. I don't know. Is that a possibility? I don't think so. All right, it it's all be. good. It it, it just kind of, it kind it comes up incrementally, it almost matches the tone of. I'm, so we're... I'm not hearing it here. 
Oh, all right, whatever. It's all good. It's on. It it's uh it it's blended into the background. It's almost every time we bring up the word kids, it's like thunder in the background of. Oh, see, I'm not hearing anything. I heard it once. I heard okay. it once. <laughs> um, so as we talk about the intentional ruining of America, and uh, I've watched what's been going on at the border. Um, I encourage every people. Everyone can go watch it. I do annually an end of year recap, and one of the topics I. Uh, delved into this year was um uh biden's failed border policies and i was the joke i was making is let's take them at their word and the humor of them selling off the last border and now putting up new border walls after they sold the last border wall paying for storage of the border wall instead of putting it up um but you watch the actions you watch i like to call myocarditis which is myorcus he keeps saying it's not an emergency. <laughs> it's it, it's not a problem. It seems to me that for some reason, the Biden administration or branches of government are trying to bring as many people over the border as possible. It just seems like yeah. I, I even I even looked at the cost. I, I mean, one of the jokes I made was even Trump's border wall was $20 million a year. The joke I made is all guarded. But then I did the math of what it would take just to build houses for Mexicans to live there and guard the border. And it would actually be a financially, it would be doable. Like the idea that we can't right. solve this with the amount of money we've spent in Ukraine. The, I mean, look at our defense budget. What is it? $760 billion a year. And you're telling me of, of all the issues that we defend, like we have to defend as a country. One of them isn't just the migration surge and that it's not worth it. So it's just obscene. Like the idea that we can't solve this problem. It's just not true. It's clear to me that for some reason, they like having the problem and specifically that the Biden administration uh, has ramped up the conditions for which people are, or I, I mean, whatever's going on with these flights that they're just take in the incentives of people coming in. So I hand it back to you because I, I don't know the intentionality of it doesn't seem to be that widely reported. And there aren't that many people kind of yelling at the Biden administration. Why is, why does this seem so intentful? Well, it, First of all, it's not a politically savvy strategy, right? There's not many people who support who support the open borders. The TV, the TV may tell you it's not a problem. It may tell you, you know, it's fine. You know, we we are a nation of immigrants. I go, yeah. Well, we're also a nation that had unlimited expansion westward. And so when the Irish and the and the and the Italians and stuff showed up, we needed bodies. We need the laborers. We need they it was a very national interest driven immigration. We also didn't have socialism where if you came to the country you would just get You can't have open borders yeah. and a welfare state. You can't right. have open borders and a welfare state. And we're we're learning, we're we're reading articles now about how much each of these guys coming over costs us, right? They're building housing in various cities for hundred fifty thousand dollars per capita. You know, it's just and that you saw a story yesterday where they kicked where kids went to school remotely because they had they were putting illegal immigrants in the gymnasium. So they kick kids out of their own school to put illegal right. immigrants in the gymnasium, right? Right. So so th- th- there is some reason why they are willing to do what is patently absurd. And that's what drew me to the pedophilia story because I go, there's a force. I don't know what the force is. But I, 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 a simple model is... Uh, this Zoom group included a guy from the NSA. I'm not sure formally the NSA, but he, he was, one day we're, in, we're talking about something. We're talking about they, it was probably a Bill Gates type talk. And, and 
And this guy, the spectacled guy, chimes in and starts talking about Hegelian philosophy. And I go, what's he doing? And at first he's making no sense. Then he's starting to make sense. And someone interrupts him. We did, there's about 150 of us, so we didn't all know each other. And someone says, Stephen, are you, are you a professor of philosophy or something? He says, no, I'm a lawyer by training, but I used to work as a national security analyst. And we had to know Hegelian philosophy because the Arabs basically follow it to a T. And so it, it would be like talking about the woke movement without knowing the vocabulary, right? Right. He said, so we all knew about Hegelian philosophy, just to understand dialogues between Arabs. And, um, and he, he said, um, and, I, and so then one day I said, Stephen, who's the they we're talking about today? Who is this, right? Because we all use the term. And he said, well, I don't like to name names. This is a profound point he made. And it's altered the way I, I approach the world, not just look at it, but approach it. He said, I don't like to name names because what it does is it causes you to stop thinking. So if you say Bill Gates is behind the vaccine, then you get to say, okay, so we figured out that this psychopathic guy who's, who, who, who's always been ruthless is at the source. That's why I don't like Soros arguments because they oh, it's George Soros. I go, yeah, well, and what's your point? That doesn't get you anywhere. And he said, so it gets you to stop thinking. And so then I, I realized there's many things we do to get ourselves to stop thinking. One is to call me a conspiracy theorist. Now, to get me to stop talking, right? Well, they get a face full when they do that to me, right? Someone says that to me and I go, you're a fucking idiot. You're a complete fucking idiot. You tell me people of wealth and power don't conspire. What are you, a moron? Right? I, and I tell people, stop using conspiracy pejoratively. Stop. They conspire every fucking day. Every fucking day. So stop using that term, which, by the way, tracks back to 1967 memo from the CIA on how to get people to shut up about the Kennedy assassination. And um, and 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 so so then I realized that we do things like this all the time. So, for example, Kamala Harris will give a speech. They go, she is a serious moron. Right. And and I know someone who knows her. And he said, there's stupid and there's Kamala. Right. So she is okay. a serious moron. <laughs> but there's still the question of why is she giving that speech? She has speech writers. Why are they writing a stupid speech? Right. And, and so so if you find yourself, I don't like the uniparty. You say, oh, it's a uniparty. I, I, I realized this one day when I was, I have this liberal friend. I have very few friends left, but I have this <laughs> liberal friend who we can sit and talk for hours. And our Venn diagram overlaps pretty well as long as we stay in the game and talk. Right. But I noticed every time I'd score a point and I'd say, well, you know, Biden's a pervert. I, and he would say they're all pervs. I go, no, I'm talking about Biden now. Right. And I right. realized I had to call him on this grouping. So whenever I seemed like I was I was making progress on an issue, he would then group it collectively. I go, no. For example, if if we are witnessing the beginning of an, a rising authoritarian state, which I think is quite possible, if it is a revolution, revolutions can come from the left to the right. This is a left-wing derived revolution. This is the gender benders and you name it, right? And um, and 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 you have to be able to acknowledge that. You have to. So so the Greenwalds and the Tybees, these are liberals who are going. 
yeah, but something's wrong over what used to be my party, right? Um, and so I learned to try to watch for, for, for logic that gets you to stop thinking and not let it trap me into stop thinking. So I don't, I'll entertain any idea. Aristotle actually said that I, an educated man can entertain an idea without endorsing it, supposedly, he said, according to the internet. Um, and and I, I will entertain any idea that doesn't break the laws of physics. So right now, I'm still not in any way, shape, or form buying the UFO argument because right now, hominid drive laws of physics make that not, not that's a non-starter. You can't cross the galaxy to get here, according to our laws of physics right now. And so the expanse are too big. And if they're that good, they don't care about us, right? right. This would be like, like an ant crossing a road, looking for evidence of advanced thinking, wouldn't even recognize the road is the evidence. So if they come here, they're not going to land in an Iowa cornfield. They're not going to care who we are. They're going to come here. We're going to look like microbes or something to them at best. We're going to say, oh, we found carbon-based organisms on this planet. Cool. Right. We're plant life. And you might as yeah. well just go there were plants. So this ties I'm, into uh, with the border that you don't want to assign a reason to it because. Uh, well, I think the reason we're getting are stupid. Right. For starters. But I think it's the idea of if I had to assign a reason, I would say it's the idea of destroying the United States which they, by the way, already did to Europe, right? Look at the crap going on in Europe now. Because, and I wrote about that. When they opened the borders from North Africa into Europe, I'm going, you know, you don't have to pick on Islam to, to at least recognize that there are cultures that don't mix. It's oil and water. And Islam and Christianity don't mix. And so you're really just better off saying when you have these groups that whose fundamental values are so different, you should just kind of stay in your neighborhood. Right. And this idea of diversity brings strength. No, it does. And it brings cat fights. And um, and and we watch them do it to Europe and we watch the leaders. This is the this is the gravitational pull. We watch the leaders all shut up and let it happen. Why would Angela Merkel not say, fuck, stop this? The only guy who did was was Viktor Orban of Hungary. He said, fuck it, we're not taking these guys. And then the pressure went on Orban hard to take him. Why do they care if Orban takes him? So now you got this problem where a bunch of blonde-haired Swedes are now getting in, getting mauled and molested on their own streets because the 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 the, the, the North Africans ghettoize, right? They 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 hang out together. If we were in if we we're in the Arab world, we'd hang out together. But the cultures are so different that it just doesn't work. And so uh, of the migrants coming into the U.S., I guess one of the bigger conspiracy theories I've seen is that they're going to need a new military force when they go uh, uh, fully. That. Yeah, when they when they want to take fully take control and it's going to be difficult for them to send me a paycheck to go turn against fellow Americans. So if you bring in enough uh uh, military, you know, basically 20 to 25 year olds from another culture and you send them a paycheck, they don't have the same affinity for their fellow Americans. Um, I've right. seen that. I've seen stories of just shifting voting demographics um, and basically bri having a whole new generation of people that you can bribe for votes. 
um, as they. But that's too far sighted. That's too far sighted. Right. Uh, you know, although supposedly they're already trying to get these guys to become voters in local elections, but as a national election goes, I, I, I think, I think it'd be hard pressed to get it such that, you know, and you don't need to bring in people to vote. You just have to rig the fucking election. All right, so that, that that's a fair transition. I uh, I watched the shenanigans of the last election, and uh, we just played on the last episode. I thought it was a very good point by Glenn Greenwald that I think you can say with certainty that the last election was rigged. Um, in that right. between uh, them, you know, censoring the internet, getting rid of the Hunter Biden story. Um, oh, but that's bias. That's I, I have two categories. One is yes. biased. Okay, that was highly biased. Rigged is when the vote comes wrong. So, you know, that's what he his he, he had a different distinction where he said that that would be a stolen election. Um, right. So what I saw as evidence of a stolen election was firstly, I haven't I'm not great with statistics. So all the statistical and I also the, the Reagan line of you got lies and damn statistics or damn statistics, whatever right. the line is. So anyways, I, I didn't really buy any of the statistical arguments. Um, I did think that it was the procedure was odd. The mail in voting was odd. And the craziest part was when they were certifying the elections, I watched a, a couple hours of YouTube footage of people being like, yeah, we got, they told us it was lunch break and we got locked out of the building. And then they put up like, yeah. you had endless stories of shenanigans. And then the judges just turn around and said election certified. And then the news going, well, they certified the election with no talk of eyewitness reporting of just blatant shenanigans. Uh, well, the best example, that's the most recent one with Carrie Lake. Okay. Carrie Lake, Carrie Lake looks profoundly rigged, more convincing. But I, I knew it was rigged when I went to bed at 1.30 and Trump had all the swing states. And I woke up five hours later and turned on the news and, and Trump had lost all the swing states. So you say, sir, like in your brain, for sure, the last election, they changed the voter count or they imported fake votes. But uh, it wasn't just the the way that they, you know, the deep state worked against Trump to call him a Russian asset and they took down information no, from no, online. No, no. They that, actually, that's just that's just tough politics. They cheated the election and they changed the uh, the voter rolls. What do you see as the I, I, what do you see as, I guess, the best evidence of that? Like if someone's skeptical and they say, no, it was an honest election. What do you say is what do you like bring forward as the most damning proof of the fact that, you know, you, you think it was definitely cheated? Well, it's the sum total of a lot. You you listed a bunch. Um, I have a bottom line claim that I think is actually a compelling argument. That is, we watched Trump for four years, in which it's pretty obvious to me both parties wanted him out of power. Period. There were there were MAGA, right. MAGA adjacent. There's a, a new era term, MAGA adjacent politicians who realized they had to tie their wa themselves to the their wagon to the MAGA team for political expediency. But if you were to ask me in 2020, name 10 politicians who actually are actually legitimately loyal to Trump, I, I couldn't have done it. I, I wouldn't have known who to name. There's some who've done a great job of looking that way, but but you don't know. You know, I thought Pence did an amazing job for four years of going along unscathed. Now, it is quite possible the reason he went unscathed is because they were saving him for when they needed him. Right. Right. They don't want to dent the guy who somehow is going to play an important role. And so it's like, why wasn't Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombed to shit during the war? And that is because they're saving it to drop the bombs on to, to do a control experiment. Say, like what can what did the bomb do? 
dropping a bomb on Dresden wouldn't do anything because it was already flattened. Um, so, so, so they did everything within their power, both parties. You know, the approval rate of Congress something like ten percent. The re-election rate is something like ninety-seven percent. There's already something wrong with that story, right? Um, but, but the bottom line for me is if they they did everything within their power to keep them out, you're never going to convince me they didn't rig the election. That's a bet I would never make. It's so obvious. Now, I also happen to be tracking this story for multiple uh, election cycles. Right. The former, the, 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 the 2020 election, the CEO of, of Dominion was a Biden transition guy. The guy who owns the voting machines really should be pretty neutral looking, right? But he's a Biden transition guy. Right. I happen to notice that because before that, the voting machines were Diebold machines, Diebold, Diebold, whatever. That guy was a Bush guy, overtly a Bush guy. And then there's WikiLeaks that show that show emails between people saying, oh, fuck, they stole Pennsylvania from us, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so I think they've been playing capture the flag with the elections for a very long time. Used to be YouTube was filled with computer scientists who'd say, look, Give me the computer. And, and in a minute and 30 seconds, they'd reprogram and say, now, every time you voted for this guy, it actually went to this guy. Right. One of the tricks they did, supposedly in 2020, is they statistically waited so that when you voted for Trump, nine-tenths of the vote went to Trump and one-tenth went to Biden, that sort of thing. Right. And and so, so the technology to do it. Now, here's where Dominion gets interesting. Dominion, of course, was front and center with Tucker Carlson getting fired. Dominion turns out to be back in back in 2020. I wrote about this, and now I can't find some of the links. Um, Dominion is actually a subsidiary of UBS, supposedly a, a subsidiary of a subsidiary of UBS, and that right. subsidiary of UBS was owned dominantly by through a series of shell companies, company in Beijing. So Dominion, I was appalled our voting machines were being, the, the owners were in a foreign country, but I go, well, Canada, I probably trust them more. Right. Now I don't because well, of the it, trucker thing and everything. But now even, here's the interesting thing. Yeah. So Tucker, 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 um, Fox gets sued by Dominion for Tucker's claims that Dominion rigged the election. Fox settles for $730 million. Seems like now, a lot. Uh, seems like a lot. And and you know what would have happened in any other situation. They would have been in the Supreme Court. They would have said, this is, you know, this is free speech. This is critical to democracy. The court would have thrown it out. But they didn't. They settled for a ridiculous price. So I went to look up what it did to Dominion share price. Say, well, that's a big payday. Right. Um, and uh, they had been taken private. In 2018, I go, oh, that's convenient. Take them private, get them off radar. All the regulatory shit goes away, right? So then I find some stats on their revenues. The settlement, to make a long story short, the settlement that Fox made for Dominion for damages was 10 times the value of the company. Right. How is that possible? You, it's not. Right. Now, here's what I think happened. Dominion, I think Tucker got removed not based on what he said, although he's saying some very reckless things. I think he got removed based on what 
is in the planning and they wanted him off radar. They failed. If that's the case, they failed. <laughs> but, but, but the other thing is, um, um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Dominion said, okay, we'll sue. Fox said, okay, we'll settle and no money will change hands. Oh, interesting. Okay. So they, they all got what they needed. Now, turns out, you know, the big bank settlements, for example, what we didn't know was so the banks would settle for some number of billion dollars for their bad behavior in 08, 09. What happened behind the scenes is, is someone would come along, and I don't know who, would come along and say, oh, by the way, if you donate to the DNC, we'll cut that to $200 million. And it's tax deductible, so now it's more like $100 million. So there's a the chicken shit club. That's where <laughs> I think I get that information. No, it's a it's a book by Jesse Isinger. Okay. And and he talks about the all the behind the scenes stuff that goes on. So um so you know, we are as evil and cunning and scheming and sociopathic as humans have ever been. No, not necessarily more or less, but you know, we're you know. Caesar gets stabbed by his buddies and, you know, you get taken out by, you're in, you're in Russian, you get taken out by the Ruskies who don't want you in there anymore. Um, by the way, I highly endorse Michael Malice's book, The White Pill. I kind of read it just to see what Malice's book was like. It is a brilliant history of the Soviet Union, in my opinion. It is perfect in terms of the, uh, in terms of uh, the, the level of complexity. Well, so he gives up precise detail so you don't get overwhelmed by too many Russian names, while at the same time, it's very convincing that he knows what he is talking about. So it's a riveting narrative of the Soviet Union from start to finish. So um, in terms of, uh, I mean, firstly, it's just wild. Uh, generally speaking, just the idea, hey, we need government to take care of these things for us. And then they just, uh, and even by their model, then they contract with private companies. They do it with every industry. So in defense, it's not like the military actually builds planes. They go to Boeing and Boeing builds the planes for them. Or, you know, in, uh, I mean, through, throughout all of it, because we kind of accept, hey, if it was fully socialized, that would be even worse. That it's better at least that they go and, you know, I guess the, the banking system's the same way with the Federal Reserve. Um, and, it, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is it's almost uh, wild to accept that in voting, we need a private company, you know, for, in terms of the general public, you would think we wouldn't accept that there's going to be one corporation that's going to run all this because it would seem ripe for fraud or for abuse or for one company. Then just, you know what I mean? It just seems that I don't understand how we got to a place where there's just this one company dominion. And well, so you, you, you dominion donates money to the DNC. Right. And in return, dominion agrees and, uh, the Dominion donates to the DNC, and, and they basically said, you know, we'll we'll take care of you, right? So, and, and it, I, I actually think they pass it back and forth. I why they went from Diebold, which was Republican, to Dominion, which was Democratic. Right. I almost get the. It's almost like the presidency, where they say, okay, you'll have it for eight years. Now we get it for eight years. Right. That is a uniparty model, but. Okay, so I, I guess coming into this next election. Uh, it seems like they're doing everything they can to make it so that Donald Trump can't run. It seems like they were trying to bully him mm -hmm. out with all of these court cases. 
uh, threatening jail, threatening uh, that he's got nuclear materials, which most likely was just the if anything, it seems like he might have just walked away with the information of how they did him dirty uh, with the Russian gate scandal. Uh, but anyways, it seems like they're doing everything they can to bully him out of the election. It's still an ongoing story. They might do it. They might actually get him, uh, I guess, removed from more ballots. What, what do you think happens if they if if they bully him out? What do you not bully him out? If they bully him out and he walks people will be unhappy. What do you think happens if against every ounce of his being, they get him out? What happens in the United States? I think if they, I think if they remove the option of Donald Trump without Donald Trump saying, Hey, I'm giving this to the next guy. I'm not going to take part in some capacity. Uh, There will be, as Donald Trump said, riot in the streets. Now, what I already don't like and I'm seeing from Donald Trump and I've somewhat uh, I somewhat expected is he's already saying, hey, listen, if I get in, it's going to be about the future. We're not going after people, which means that I think behind closed doors, Donald Trump knows how to cut knows how to cut the right deals. I think that's partly why when he left, he didn't see more pardons such as like for uh, Assange and other people. Uh, I I think it I, I think when push comes to shove. They know how to make the right threats that even Donald Trump will play ball. And so I think if Donald Trump wins, you're going to see him with like a Nikki Haley VP or he cuts oh, some. That would appall me. That right. Would it appall would appall me, too. But I think uh, maybe he cuts his deal with the machine because I don't think that they can just unseat him without him uh, without him saying I'm stepping out or without him cutting a deal that you know works for Trump. And the general public goes, OK, we got Trump. But I think even if he does get back in, he's already channeling. He's not he, he, he's not going to make any serious moves. He also and I don't know what I'd expect to see out of him, but he also doesn't look worried. Right. And so, so you get the feeling is that maybe that deal's already been struck. And and but they could be they're roughing him up to the point to get the concessions. Right. As you right. say. And um um, but he's got, he's got guys, he can now put together a war cabinet, as I like to call it. So, but, you know, George Jr. shows up with a war cabinet. It was clear we were going to be bombing the shit out of everyone because his war cabinet was everyone who likes to bomb the shit out of everybody. Which, by the way, why are we not talking about 4.5 million dead Arabs a Holocaust? I don't know. Because we sure as hell killed as many Arabs as the Germans killed Jews. And, and, um, and, and so Donald Trump's going to have a war cabinet. And, and the odd thing is, is that um, I'm going to swing us back to the original topic. Michael Flynn is out there tweeting about Pizzagate. Right. And so that those are veiled threats, not very veiled. Right. Threats against the machine. So just back to the election, though, is there a possibility that Donald Trump wins by such a wide margin that they can't rig the election without risk of. I don't know. know. I'd like to see him do something like if he picked Ramaswamy, I'd be okay. It would be entertaining as a son of a bitch. If he picked Kennedy. Right. I don't think I would. I I I would like Tulsi Gabbard. I'd go with Tulsi Gabbard, even though some think she's world economic forum material. Right. I, I see the evidence, but I don't. That's, you know, you can be affiliated with, with people in high places without endorsing them. You know, you, you, if you're high up, you're hanging out with shady people. Period. Right. 
right? I think there's a possibility of a Kennedy Gabber ticket, which they've been teasing. And um, oh, I do good. think I'd vote for that. <laughs> I do think a uh, the Kennedy. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see if Kennedy takes more votes from Trump than he does Biden. And that that's good what question. ends up pushing Biden over. What do you think? Um, I'm not convinced we know. Uh, well, here's here's what really has unraveled uh, Kennedy's campaign, in my opinion, is that coming into this thing, uh, he was he was right on COVID and COVID. The response and everything that happened with COVID is incredibly mm-hmm. unpopular. And even Donald Trump, he got the COVID thing wrong. He he sat behind Fauci. He did close things down. He gave power to the governors. I think Trump had the right intuition at the beginning of it where he was just like, no, we're going to work. Like, And then I think he just, uh, I think Trump gets overwhelmed by the deep state and that you see who he picked for his cabinet. He got rid of, uh, he got rid of the guy from Breitbart right away. I think when push, when push Bolton. comes, yeah, Please he got rid of And he puts Bolton, Bolton in. in. Right. That was a disaster. That was well, a disaster. Of course it was a disaster, but I think he's like savvy enough for his own self-preservation that when he's getting enough pressure of, you can be in charge and you can run around and go, Hey, I won this thing, but you got to give us the following things. He just goes, okay. And he doesn't really want to work. He cuts he a deal. He cuts a yeah, deal. exactly. He cuts a deal because he just, he just wants to be president more than he really cares about getting a border wall up or fixing things. He just wants to look good and th- th- he's in it for Trump. Um, See, I'm a, I actually have a slightly better view now. I think yes. Trump started his campaign, and it was all Trump. It was just Trump name, Trump brand, Trump everything, his narcissism. I think he's now weaponized his narcissism, and he's come to the conclusion that to be really great, he has to be great. And I think he now sees that that he will go down in the record books with guys like Reagan and stuff, as if he does things that are lasting. You mean now he wants to do more than just win before he just wanted to win That's and be right. president. Now he actually wants to put like uh wins on the board of actually accomplishing something so that people like him. It's not enough that he just got to do it. That's um, right. Going back to the Kennedy thing. So beforehand, I could have seen him taking a lot of votes from Trump um, or as many, because a lot of people that vote for Trump are just the anti-establishment vote. And so if you've got Kennedy in there and he's actually the better anti-establishment vote as he's talking about how big farmers working against you and he's got the track record on that, he becomes appealing. I think he's kind of just ruined his campaign and being so blatantly supportive of Israel. And by the way, I I, I spent years in Israel Uh, like I like that country, but what they're doing right now it's indefensible. Like, I don't know how you can be looking at what's going on in the news and uh, and defend what Israel's doing. And the way he's defending it seems like he's been bought and paid for on that topic, the same as everyone's been bought and paid for on other topics. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I guess his, his view seems to. I would like to see a debate between an anti and a pro, a pro Palestinian, pro Israeli, a pair who are intellectually skilled. So for pro Israel, I'd put Ben Shapiro up there. And I'd find a pro-Palestinian person, I'd find someone of equal intellectual competence and, and keep it away from the Alex Jones style. And I want those guys sitting there going back and forth because every time I hear one side talk about their side, I go, makes sense. So I have a personal gag order on deciding on openly, publicly saying who's right, who's wrong. What I will say is that Israel's 
current protocol certainly is they're not doing it for the optics <laughs> right and 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 i'll say one thing i'll say one thing that i think everyone knows and and no one wants to say is that it seems pretty clear to me that israel let them in they ran around israel for eight hours and my opinion of the israelis is they know how to get shit done right they really know how to get shit done so if you'd said to me in advance, Hamas is going to drop 800 guys into Israel to wreak havoc and said, how long would it take for the Israelis to mop them up? I would have said two minutes. And then I saw an interview of Brett Weinstein with a woman who was on the wall. Sounds like Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> um, on the wall. And, and, and they, they were speaking cryptically. They'd say, but this is not possible. You know, they're, they're not quite saying overtly what they were thinking. But but I once read walls are not designed to keep people out. They're designed to keep people in. So if you break through the Chinese wall, they just bring forces to the wall. You're not getting back out again. Right. And then they're going to mop you up. The idea that, that Hamas, 800 Hamas got in ran roughshod over Israel for eight straight hours and then actually kidnapped people and got them out of Israel is not imaginable to me. And so Israel did 9-11. Israel, and, and this woman also said, she said, by the way, you know, that as soon as it happened, we got the parade of retired colonels across the news talking about all the ways Israel screwed it up. My opinion of Israel is they don't screw things up. They don't screw much up. They they're really good at what they do. So I'm I'm curious. And and, and so then then the question then the then so 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 I, I I just don't believe that it could have played out the way it played out with that. And and this woman said, by the way, they, they said, Oh, you know, these guys organized this for like two years. They didn't use any digital media, so they couldn't be eavesdropping. This woman said, We have eyes and ears inside the Gaza Strip. We know everything that's happening in there everything so uh why uh generally speaking why do you like to i guess not comment on the uh the israel stuff of all topics well it take me so long to get up to speed their ancient the ancient history the rivalry that makes sense i, I mean i i jumped in and, and not to mention the fact that both sides are obviously rabid bastards right <laughs> right yeah, but by, 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 by we seem to have the same person. opinion, by the way, because I go, they're both wrong. <laughs> yeah, they're both wrong. They're humans. They're both wrong. Yeah. Um, by by saying I'm not commenting, which I've commented a little, but it's like, you know, right. fuck you. I don't care if I can't comment <laughs> at all without getting in trouble. Right. But they're both going to accuse me of supporting genocide. Right. And so 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 I, I, you can't win by being in this debate. So. So I've had a gag order on, on Israel politics for many, many years. And, and that's just because I, you can't win getting into that one. I'm going to leave that to the Jews and the Palestinians to fight <laughs> amongst themselves. It's like going into a domestic dispute as a cop. You know, it's right. not going to be pretty. Fair enough. So, but right. I jumped into Ukraine. I had no trouble jumping into the Ukrainian story. And I think I, I think bragging. I think I wrote a brilliant piece in 2022 about what was going on in Ukraine. It um, held up. It held up. It held up. Right. Uh, it was stuff the cool kids were not talking about. 
my general uh, as a Jewish person, my general opinion on Israel has just been uh, I I'm not an expert on the history. I don't get the whole situation over there. I just think we shouldn't be sending them all this money and any Jews over here just kind of advocating their vote or otherwise. It's it, it borders on treasonous to me. It's like that's not that's not this country. We live in this country. Um, and then just in terms of the current situation, once again, I'm not like Dave has a much better handle on the history and he'll get out there and, you know, the whole uh, have much more robust debates than what I'm qualified for. But I just look at the current situation and go, it's this isn't humane that that's that, you know, doesn't justify what what Hamas did or whether or not Israel provoked it and just let it happen. Uh, what they're currently doing in Gaza, I, I think anyone who's running circles to excuse it um, is I, 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 I think as the story evolves over time, unless uh, they have such a good control over the Internet and the narrative, which already seemingly isn't true, uh, I think people are going to regret having defended Israel's current course of actions. So here's what I have expressed publicly, and that is I, I really try to stay out of who's right and who's wrong because I really don't understand. I've heard guys say this is what's happening, and I, I hear complete contradictions, so I really don't know. What I, what I have said and I actually said day one almost, I, I said, if you're expecting, I said on Twitter, I said, if you're expecting me to comment on this crisis, you're, you're going to be waiting a long time. What I will say is the following. Going forward, there is going to be a ton of propaganda. Your, your default setting should be on doubt. Then I said to my class, I said, as you guys know, two days ago, the world changed. And, 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 you may not understand how much so, but here's what I'll tell you. I said, I said, I'm pretty sure there's people in this room who support both sides and do so quite emotionally. And I, and, and then I said, so what I'm going to urge you to do is to be kind to each other. And, and that's pretty much it. And, 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 um, when people say, well, why did they let them in? I go, well, watch what Israel does over the next two years, and that'll be your answer. Right. right. Now, I won't even go so far as saying we shouldn't send money to Israel because in, I believe we should do what's in the U.S.'s best interest. One of the reasons I'm so frustrated with Biden is I don't think he does. Right. I think Trump tried to. I think previous presidents tried to. Not, not the Clintons necessarily. I think the Clintons are a crime syndicate. But 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 I could imagine in the deep, dark geopolitical world that you and I can't see that sending money to Israel is absolutely our best play. I just don't know. But when I read that, you know, Reagan was sending arms to Iran for I, I'm going, wow, this is a completely different world. Right. Right. We're, we're on ISIS's team one day and we're on the other team the next day. I, this, I think our foreign policy, in a nutshell, at least in the Middle East, is to keep every country in a state of chaos. So when a country starts to look strong and coherent, we go fuck it up. And I guess the, the exceptions are Saudi Arabia and Israel. Because they have all the goddamn oil. Yes. Saudi right. Arabia and Israel. That's exactly. And now we're losing Saudi Arabia. Right. Okay. That's a perfect transition because this is the last topic I wanted to get into. And uh, one of the things that really drew me to the piece that you read is uh, I've stayed 
I've largely stayed out of the stock park and I'm not saying I'm a savvy investor that that's been a good decision. Well, I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things, and I like loosely, you know, I, I got a degree in finance, but barely, it took me uh, six years. I wasn't a very good student. Um, but I, I, to me, I just, I, I have a loose understanding of credit asset bubbles and I look at everything that's happened just in terms, I don't know all the particulars or how much money, but just the quantitative easing system and how much money the Fed has made available, the stock buybacks that have happened from corporations. And just loosely, I look at the stock market, I look at the charts and I think, you know, you look at the peaks and I'm like, this is not where the S&P is supposed to be. And I was reading your piece about basically um, uh, uh, recency bias and the story kind of within the P ratios of how overvaluated the stock market is. And I'll, I'll frame it as a long question. We can kind of get into it. And then I look at, you know, kind of this debt loop, the, the, this doom loop of debt that we're in now of what we're going to have to pay, uh, who's going to continue buying up our debt. And now Saudi Arabia actually repricing oil and other contracts and bricks and kind of the threat to U.S. dollar supremacy. Uh, supremacy. And I read quite a few people that go, hey, we're king shit. None of this is really an issue. Um, I tend to buy into the bear story a little bit more, which might just be because I'm a nervous person and uh, maybe I just find it more interesting and I'm being suckered by it. Uh, but I thought that you had uh, probably the most brilliant write, read up I've seen of what my outlook typically is of kind of the stock market and what's going on in the financial market. So I'll hand it back to you because we saw big storylines this past year of uh, base. I mean, bricks being the biggest. I hear a lot of people saying, hey, it's no big deal. I've heard people say petrodollar, not really a thing, uh, but this is the first break from that basically since we've gone off the gold standard. And then, you know, potentially uh, the Fed actually engaging in quantitative tightening and no longer making, you know, massive amounts of money available to, uh, you know, for people to, I, I don't even know what happens with the buying of the bonds and the whatnot. So I'll hand it back to you to kind of give the, the, the bare perspective of what we're looking at in the financial markets. Well, thank you. That was flattering. I actually had a friend who who's a, an elite money manager in, in Europe. One day I got him, I talked him into doing an interview with Grant Williams. He said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then when Grant introduced him, Grant said, this is the first interview he's ever done. I go, what? <laughs> and and then one day he drove up from New York City and he spent the day on my deck just chatting. It, it really impressed me. I don't want to name him. And he actually sent me an email and he says, I think you're losing your edge because you're worried about this other shit. And the problem is this other shit to me is part of the story. So if geopolitics is going to go crazy, I, I think you got to know that. And, and the other thing is I am hunkered down for a big, bad period going forward. And so I got like a 5% return last year. If I can get a 5% return in a bunker of doom, I did really well. Right. I get, I get what you're saying. Cause that means and, you're, and you're, you've, you've positioned yourself well for if things are going down. If I can go, win, if I can, if I can, right. if I can do that in a year that I am not in any way, shape or form looking to take risk. Right. Then, and, and now here's the deal in a nutshell, as you recall, um, I went through, first of all, all the tailwinds of the last 40 years. I have to credit Murray Stahl with some of them. He got me thinking about it in this way. And um, and it turns out that 
It includes China's cheap labor, Russia's cheap resources, demographics in the United States, uh, stock buybacks, credit bubble, interest rates going from 16 to zero. Every one of these are tailwinds that will not repeat. What it did is it produced a recency bias of 40 years. This is what investors don't understand. 40 years of recency bias. So we started in 1981 with the market valuations by any metric you want in the basement. You could not give equities away. We had just gone through a 14-year period of truly awful inflation-adjusted returns. We were in the basement. You couldn't give away, and that's why that was the bottom. We went through this period of 40 years where because of all the things the Fed was able to do and the interest rates were able to drop and the demographics worked so well and Russia sold us cheap stuff and China made stuff at slave wages. We went through 40 years which every single goddamn attempt the market made to correct got, got bought. So the stat that I think is unbelievable is that if you look at market valuations, now for those who are not savvy, there's the price of the market. That's irrelevant because inflation can make that go anywhere you want. The Zimbabwe stock market soars, but you, you go broke. But evaluation is a metric where it's the price of the market divided by something that it should track. So the GDP, earnings, revenues, book value, and that evaluation is inherently inflation corrected because that thing is inflating too. And it could be the price of the market relative to Big Macs. I mean, it could be anything. And 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 um, one of the most compelling plots was I, I posted the price of the market uh, adjusted for the M2 money supply, which is as clean an inflation adjustment as you can do. Over the last 40 years, the valuations, which should just wobble around, um, should go from cheap to expensive and back compounded at 3% a year. That's a 3% tailwind that will not repeat. In fact, what I argue is by definition, unless you want to make the argument that the valuations are going to stay elevated in perpetuity, by definition, they're going to go back to cheap again. And I asked rhetorically, what happens if the next 40 years, they compound at negative 3% annualized? And the answer is that's a net 6% swing annualized, that will be an uninvestable market. You don't believe that's true? Ask the Japanese. The Nikkei was uninvestable, has been uninvestable. Recent years, if you bought at the right time, you made some good money. But if you owned it in 89, you're still underwater. And if you averaged down, it took you 20 years to break even. I mean, it was uninvestable. And I think we're heading for such a period, a multi-decade uninvestable. I think there will be opportunities for the dexterous, but I'm not interested in that. I want to be able to buy and collect a revenue stream. That's it. To do that, you have to buy things for which the revenue stream represents a good return. Um, and so I don't think the investors are ready for this because every time that there was a, an attempt to correct, which I define as asset prices heading earthward and investor attitudes getting corrected in earnest, if investors always want to buy the dip, they're not learning yet. They have not learned their lesson yet that these markets are overvalued. If I have the markets at round number, I don't know, 150% overvalued, over historical fair value. Now, your math, I'm sure, is still good enough to realize that you got to spend half your time under fair value.
for fair value to be fair value, right? I, if historical average valuation, you got to be under it and over it half the time. So if we go from 150% overvalued to undervalued, we're going to get crushed. And it might take 40 years. I pray. I would love for the markets to do a fucking three-year swan dive. Because then I would be cutting ring fingers off of soldiers on the battlefield. I would be pulling teeth out with pliers. I'd be buying assets that were on sale. Now, you say, well, what did you do in 08, 09? This is what's going to shock people. The markets weren't that cheap in 08, 09. They went below historical fair value but not way below. And they literally spent about a month below fair value. That's not just my opinion. That's what Jeremy Grantham subsequently confirmed for me. I had dinner with Mark Spitznagel. He confirmed that for me. And, and so, so the markets never got cheap. We fell from 35,000 feet. We never hit the ground. And so, so, and that's part of the recency bias. Never sell, always buy. Everything will be cool. Well, we're going to have to learn that lesson. Somehow, there's something that's got to stop the wall of money coming in from indexing. Now, every good idea, once it's finally discovered, becomes a bad idea. Because everyone jumps on it. Well, right now, the good idea that everyone's been told for decades now is index. But when you index, here's what you do. It's like going to the grocery store and just buying something of everything in the grocery store. And if it turns out the way they do the index, if, if something like the price of avocados goes up, you buy even more avocados. If the price of ribeye goes up, you go buy more ribeye. And if the price of something else goes down, you buy less of that. How is that sane? And then I realized that out of 500 S&P 500 companies, collectively 490 of them are returning nothing. That's not a functional market, in my opinion. If 490 of your 500 companies for an investor are losers, collectively, some will win, right? But the top 10 are getting all the returns. Then it's also going to be the top 10 to get all the losses at some point. NVIDIA is trading at 50 times revenue. Sun Microsystem was trading at 10 times revenue right before they did a 95% swan dive. Microsoft, what a great blue chip company. Why not own Microsoft? They've, I think they're up about tenfold in 12 years. Fivefold of that is valuation expansion, meaning it will be given back by definition. By definition, it will be given back. I don't know when, I don't know how, but no stock stays expensive forever. And so on that note, I guess, you know, I, I always look at it it's just like the seesaw of trying to predict what asset bubble the Fed is going to inflate next and trying to be in that asset bubble. Mm -hmm. that there, there's no mm -hmm. the, there's no honest stock picking off of valuations. There's no there's nothing. And, that, and, that, and that's why so much uh, brain capital kind of gets lost to uh, the stock market and not really inventing things or doing anything of value because we're all just kind of trying to predict what the Fed's going to do. You um, know the book, The Wisdom of Crowds? It, it's yes. It, it talks about why when you ask the audience and want to be a millionaire, they get it right. No one person actually has the wisdom, but collectively the crowd knows. Right. And and the markets, when they're functioning well, is the wisdom of crowds. Democracy right. is the wisdom of crowds. Right. Right. 
it fails when the decisions start becoming correlated. It fails when people start voting together as opposed to independently. Right. And right now, the market's indexing is complete correlation. It's a 100% correlation. And therefore, the markets are no longer discovering price. Right, because you lose the hive mind of uh, of the individuals kind of constantly bidding right. on everything. Right. right. Um, so w- what's the prediction? Because I, I, I also, I, you know, I read it twice. You had linked in that Warren Buffett article uh, that was saying the most important thing for stock prices is essentially the interest rate. I'm so pleased you read that twice. I literally, I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, I'm going to have to read it again, by the way, because I, 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 anyways, because you got to, sometimes there's precise, very good information and you're like this, I'm going to have to actually absorb. Um, And I thought the way that you kind of put it in with your, uh, um, with your list of problems that were, I mean, we saw it this past year, interest rates came up and people have been pouring into uh, bonds and CDs and whatnots. Uh, And so I guess you just have the question of, it still isn't normal to be in a 2% interest rate environment like historically. And it seems like the fed is pretty invested in keeping us under 5% as this past year. Uh, you know, they're already looking at, I, I guess the question I'm I, just to, you know, have some precision here is higher interest rates are going to lower stock market evaluations because people have somewhere else that they can put their money and, you know, everyone would rather have safety and earn an interest rate. And uh, if there is no opportunity for safety, then they're going to pour more into stocks and, you know, because it it becomes necessary to take on that risk. Um, I guess just like long term, if we're looking at the interest rate as being the biggest driver and low interest rates being the biggest inflator of stock prices, like what's your expectation over the next five years? Not low, dropping. Yes, dropping would be a a low interest rate would be a would continue to uh kind of force people into the stock market yeah but but no no buffett's article says two things that jump out of me one is that what makes a bull market a bull market is dropping rates oh right 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 it's the actual dropping of it right yes dropping so as the rates drop the the equity preference shifts Right. Once they're dropped, it's like having an orange that just sweeps every drop of juice out. There's no more room to drop. You're at right. the end of the game now. You've reached the end of the chain. Right. And so, so when people are saying low interest rates are bullish, no, they're not. It means you've had a bull run. You've had a right. great time, but now the game's over. Buffett's second important message was if you include all the everything, dividends and 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 all the fees and everything involved in investing in the markets he did not include taxes the most you can hope to get on an inflation adjusted basis is about four percent right that is not including valuation changes that's just over infinite time and so 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 now if you start with valuations that are you know threefold over now the most you get is one percent something like that. And you say, well, okay, that's life. I go, yeah, but every assumption of every insurance company, of every retiree, of every pension plan, of you name it, is not 1%. It's 8%, 9%, 10%, 12%. And that's the attitude adjustment. That's why the attitude has to adjust because we are basing important decisions about how big a house to buy, 
and how much to spend and how much to save for college, stuff like that, based on flawed assumptions. You look up at Fidelity. Fidelity says you should be, you to, to retire, I, I like to use multiples of annual salary because you've lived on the salary. At the end, it's kind of maximized usually. And, 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 and the, the cheaper you've lived, you'll not only have more multiples of your annual salary, but you can live on less multiples of your annual salary. So that's where saving, the whole game of saving, in my opinion. Um, Fidelity says that you should have eight multiples. You could, two problems with that. One is that if you start spending eight, your money at the rate you're spending it right now, you're, you're, you're going to go through eight multiples in about 10 years. If by chance I'm correct and the market cuts in half, you now have four multiples. So Fidel is just lying their asses off. When I ask money managers, how many multiples do you think you ought to have? They say 20. I say 25. I say count the number of years you plan on living and have that many multiples. Now, I think as you get older, you do start spending less, but the bank of dad and the bank of granddad kick in and my wife can my wife has discovered Amazon (laughs) and 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 so life isn't getting that cheap even though we don't do much but uh but um I I could retire but I couldn't retire without fear and it's and if people sort of knew my stats they'd go there's no fucking way you should be afraid right and the answer is yeah well I'm afraid because I know the system can really beat us up pretty badly. And if you own gold, you go, gold can go down too. Everything. (laughs) You know, if, if you had told me 30 years ago that, you know, healthcare costs were going to soar, I would have said healthcare insurers are going to get crushed. They made a fortune. They made a I just, I'm not that good at some of those things. I, if you put a gun to my head and said, invest in something now, first of all, if we have a whoosh, everything goes down. When when money becomes precious, everything sells. Right. It's like food, right? If we ever end up in a situation where we're really deficient of food. Right. Everyone wants food. Um, and, 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 but if you had, put a gun to my head and said, go out on the risk curve, you got to put all your cash, which I, a ton of cash. Um, into into an asset area, what would you do? I'd probably find a way to invest in the commodity space. I think that story is correct. So uh, just on that, uh, on the holding cash, because I I actually (laughs) have most of my assets in cash right now. I'm not saying that that's a win. I'm not advising anyone to do that. Um, But it does become a bit of a guessing game to me of, you know, does the Fed constantly push for inflation and you're going to wish that you were in assets because all assets will continue to inflate uh, or because it seems like the system just doesn't want deflation. Now, maybe that's a maybe that's just a recency bias in my own head that I've never lived in an environment where billionaires can go out and really buy up the whole world for cheap. And so maybe maybe some you look at Warren Buffett or some of these other guys, they actually are holding a ton of cash and there will be a deflationary incident and they're going to love it and they're going to have been prepared for it. And we're all going to be suckers thinking, Hey, you better hold assets because assets are going, going to the moon. Um, But I I guess that just kind of goes back to what I was saying is it's just a fed game of, you know, do do you want to have cash and play the, you know, prices are going to come down and I'm going to find myself some value game 
or do you want to play the they will never let that happen and they'll constantly figure out uh, how to put more money into the system. So you're going to wish you had bought a house now. Um, Akerloff wrote a paper, I think it was in 96. I reached out to him, had a brief exchange with him where I pointed out, I said, you know, your paper's getting legs again. Um, <laughs> it turns out he basically described how the banks make money going up and down. Right. I, I believe that the Fed is not omnipotent. The they'll keep it up is like, is, is giving them superpowers that don't exist. Never have, never will, in my opinion. So they can keep it up for a while, putting fingers in the dike, but at some point it, it lets loose. And I think the free market is a force of nature that finds a way to break free. And so I think what happens is you get to a point where then the Fed has to stand back. And, and that's where Greenspan, you talk about mopping up the mess after the fact. Right. When you can, when you can no longer sandbag your way out of the problem then they will step back. And by the way, the smart guys, the insiders, the billionaires, they'll find a way to be out of the out of the splash zone. Right. Although if you look at busts of the past when information flow is different, like I finished a book on the Florida real estate boom, which actually was a major contributor to the depression. Um, the four biggest players all ended up basically destitute, not just not rich, destitute. And so, so, so I don't think that's going to happen in this era. I think there's way too many ways for these gazillionaires. For one thing, they're gazillionaires. Those four rich guys then were not like the four rich guys now. Um, but I do believe that someone will step back. And it's like the collapse of the Berlin Wall. Russia right. thought they could. I mean, the, that's why Malice's book is so good, because it's so timely. Malice right. is talking about way more than the Soviet Union in this book. Um, at some point, the Soviet Union just could not hold together. It was a failed system and slowly but surely it rotted and rotted and rotted. And finally, Gorbachev tried to, there's some real heroes that come out of this book. One of the other heroes that comes out of it is Khrushchev. Now, I didn't know this, but Khrushchev, when, when Stalin died, Khrushchev came out and spilled his guts and said, we did this and we did this and we did this and we should never ever do that again. What's great about Malice's book, I'm on a Malice book campaign. It's called The White Pill. We know 40 million people died. What we don't know, and the irony is Stalin says one death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic. It was Stalin, I think, who said that. Um, what I had no idea was how did 40 million people die? What Malice does is he describes how the Soviet Union as a society imploded on itself and just ate itself, just consumed itself. And it was Stalin's doing, but he got the people to do it too. And that's the other book that everyone should read, my opinion, everyone should read is called The, um, uh, the True Believer by Eric Hoffer on mass movements. It's how people collectively go out of their minds, whether it's climate change or whatever, they, they just lose their shit completely. COVID, there's collectively out of their minds. 
All right. And, this um, was uh, this was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and writing that piece. Um, I'm going to call it here because uh, it's my first day in the new studio and I'm going to have to, I thought the natural light would be good and I'm currently going blind. So I am watching your, your color change. <laughs> What's interesting, you went, uh, you, you now, instead of, you don't look like you're wearing a hat. You look like you're, yeah. you're wearing a riot gear helmet. That's what it looks like on the screen. Yeah. It's been an interesting two <laughs> hours of literally just watching the sun completely change of which, uh, which eyeball it takes out. <laughs> um, That's exactly right. Thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, please keep in touch. And uh, what do you uh, what do you have to plug other than the article, which I'll link into the episode description? Uh, well, um, so the, people can reach me two ways. One is on Twitter, David B. Colum, C-O-L-L-U-M. Um, the other is, you know, I'm a chemist at Cornell. You know my name. Uh, you can get my email. I try to answer emails. Um, uh, just because I write hundreds of pages, don't send me hundreds of pages. <laughs> um, and and uh, I try to answer them though. And uh, I had one guy who sent me hate mail, and I used it in my write-ups. Um, and and I'm glad to hear from people, especially if they can bring wisdom. If they can say, "Oh, I can explain this to you," right? And so uh, so um, beyond that, I got nothing to hump. I don't know if I'm ever going to publish part three, which is the pedophile part. I'm I'm not. I'm not sure I have the balls to publish it actually. Is because um, uh, it's sourced and dense, and you just think they're going to come shut you down? I, I don't know. I, I I don't. I I can't assess the risk is the problem. Right. And I do know that people in that game get whacked all the time. But I go. But Dave, you're a peon. But what the Soviet, what Malice's book taught me is, they would kill anybody who in any way risked the narrative. And so the problem is, is they say, well, there's a professor at Cornell. We got to, we, we can't let him get away with that. You know, when, when, when someone uses a Disney copyright Mickey Mouse, they lose the copyright if they don't challenge him. So you read articles about how Disney's suing someone to not use their copyright. And they say, ah, oh, what a bunch of bullies. No, they lose the copyright. So these guys lose their power if they let people speak out. And I, therefore, I don't, I don't, I can't assess the risk right now. Understood. Well, heroic effort. And, you know, you came on this show, you gave the story. I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta introduce you to Sam Tripley. I feel like he would, uh, he would be, he'd be all over this. You familiar with Sam at all? I'm not. I uh, would like you to say hi to Dave Smith for me. Absolutely. I will, huge I will, fan. Huge I will fan. say what's up. All right. This, uh, I, I absolutely love this. Uh, please keep in touch. Um, I, I I'm sure I'll have uh, more questions down the line. And uh, like I said, me and Dave Smith were out in California next weekend. I'm doing a show with him at the Bree Improv and then my own headlining gig in uh, Pasadena. So come hang out for that. All right. Let me uh, send me a link. Send me a link. Oh, this is this is already live. So I'll, uh, I'll oh. tweet it at you. But we've been going. This is this is two hours. We're already on the Internet. This is no YouTube. This is YouTube. Uh, we, I mean, it was live on Twitter. So it's it, it, it's there the full two hours. We've been going. Okay. Send me some links if, you, if you're seeing spicy shit. I don't know. Absolutely. All right. Let me, uh, let me end this here. What's your Twitter feed? 